Hello everyone and welcome to the Artistic Futures podcast. My name is Mary and in this series I will be meeting a range of people who work in opera and are keen to share their passion with the next generation. From singers to conductors, directors to composers, you will get an insight into how a range of artists built on their careers, turning what they enjoyed doing and were good at into a profession. It will also be full of useful tips and advice for those of you who would be tempted to give it a go. So, let's get started. In this first episode, I'm heading to Hebden Bridge to meet Scottish soprano Marie-Claire Breen. Marie-Claire graduated from the opera course at the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama and went on to become a Scottish opera emerging artist in 2010. For the last five years, she's been regularly performing with Opera North, both as a soloist and as part of the chorus. Marie-Claire is a vibrant and versatile artist with a lot of experience on the operatic stage. She's also very dedicated to education and joined our team at Opera North as a vocal animator nearly two years ago. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I, I know you've got so many good stories to tell us, so <laughs> it's really exciting. I just wanted to start asking you about, you know, your journey. Um, so so where, where did that start? How, how did you get into singing and particularly opera? Have you always sang? Yeah, so I grew up uh, in a very small part of Scotland in a little town called Saltcoats, which is right next to the water. Um, it's across the water from an island called Arran. So um, opera wasn't a particularly well-known art form in Saltcoats when I was growing up in the sort of 80s and 90s. And it was actually my grandfather, George, my mum's dad, who was my biggest inspiration. And he sang... Uh, as an amateur singer in local sort of theatre groups and musical groups and he was always the sort of clown of the cast and a great singer, fabulous actor and as a child we used to get brought along to see all these performances of the Irvine Amateur Operatic Society's um, annual show and I just remember being totally enthralled and enraptured by my grandfather and was just lo just loved the excitement of it all and the thrill of the music and being on stage. I suppose as a child, I was a bit of a, <laughs> a sort of camera hogger. So, <laughs> so whenever the, the the family video recorder came out for like uh, family events, parties, and confirmations and all that sort of stuff, I was at the front uh, singing. Uh, Elvis songs and then that sort of um, snowballed I suppose and through my primary school uh, education I remember my report cards always read Marie Claire has a very sweet singing voice and I took such oh. pride in this I really did and then when I was uh, about let me think about 14, 13, 14 the opportunity arose with my grandfather's amateur operatic society to audition for Annie the musical. Oh great. Did you perform together? Yes, so oh, yes. Yeah, so, so we so I so I auditioned for for Annie as in any of the roles and lo and behold I actually got the the main role of Annie. I was just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, how did this 
happening is happening and <laughs> where it started from there and um I started having singing lessons it's sort of round about that age again sort of 13 so how, how did you find a singing teacher was it was it easy to find where you were well again I was really fortunate I have to say my musical education at school was super supportive the music staff there were phenomenal they were so supportive and again because growing up in this part of Scotland where no one really did this kind of thing they really put their faith in me and they really supported my decision to sing I got a lot of time off classes to go for my singing lessons and was sort of known as the the budding opera singer in school and I had a singing teacher in the school uh, Rhoda Runciman who was fabulous at sort of starting me off and, and whetting my appetite for what was out there and um, I auditioned for the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama which is now the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland and I didn't get in and that was like so that was like the first major thing that I hadn't got immediately. Yeah. How old were you then? I was sort of turning eighteen. Yeah, I was yeah. Just about to turn eighteen. So it's it's hard rejection, especially at that age, isn't it? Exactly. Like, and this was coming straight out of secondary school, so I just sat all my exams and I got really good results and was so focused that I was going to go to music college. For me, there was no question about it. And naively, I thought that that was it for me. And I also naively didn't audition anywhere else because I also naively didn't realise that there was other opportunities outside of Glasgow. So to me, like, Glasgow was the next stage of it, whereas now I'm aware that there's a whole other world of it. Yeah, I suppose if you don't have a family who is musical, you, you wouldn't know these things. Yeah. Or if you don't have some someone or, or a teacher who knows about, or, well, how the system works. Exactly, you know, so. and I think that that's something that we need to really sort of educate our schools with and uh, like sort of guidance counsellors and any, and anyone who is speaking to young people about furthering their musical education from school because if you're in a localised area where the next nearest city is like say Manchester or Leeds or for example and there's only a couple of performing arts colleges or uh, further education places there you can you can forget that there's a world outside of that so I, I kind of wish that I had been aware of that more however it, it kind of really did stand me in good stead because I took a year out all my friends were going to university and that was difficult I think the the rejection of not getting a place but then the the fact that everyone was then moving on in the next chapter yeah. felt really I felt a little bit like I was missing out on something but I did continue with singing lessons so I moved on to a teacher um called Margaret Isaac who set me on my path and she's a wonderful woman a wonderful teacher so supportive and really is the reason that I'm singing now when I went to Margaret straight out of school I had acquired some bad habits and Mm. that whole nature of being a big fish in a small pond meant that I was singing repertoire that wasn't quite suitable to my age group. And I had maybe inflated my ego slightly bigger than it should have been at that stage. And she very gently sort of not popped the balloon, but she definitely deflated it in a really <laughs> in a really safe and supportive way. And she just really nurtured me and saw me through my next round of auditions. I got in on the second attempt, which felt like the right time. Do you feel that going to the conservatoire equipped you with the skills you needed to be, to do a career as an opera singer? Well, as I say, I think so much of it is down to the teacher that you study with and I had the right teacher for me at that stage. So much of my education at university was based on sort of song repertoire 
And I didn't really, I didn't go into um, music college expecting to become an opera singer. It kind of snowballed. It was a sort of accident that I ended up doing it. When I went into music college, I was only just dipping my toe into this sort of classical music world. And I had never anticipated that it would lead to become an opera singer. But when you're in that environment and you start to see what's going on around about you and you go, oh, that's really interesting. And you start hearing stuff. You're like, wow, that's really exceptionally beautiful. I wonder if I'll be able to do that one day. Every step of my uh, undergraduate studies, I could feel myself progressing and feel myself getting physically stronger and better. And that that was a real upward curve. So, yeah, it really equipped me to just know myself and to understand what I needed as a singer. And with regards to maybe what you don't expect, with that introspection of working on your own voice and working on your own artistry, you sometimes forget what it's like to work with other people and the importance of making uh, friendships and partnerships within other parts of the conservatoire. And that's something that I think when I look back on now, I go, ah, we had a whole drama department just down the stairs from us. Yeah, I did, you didn't think to go and... Didn't think to yeah. do anything. I don't, I don't think I even saw any shows. And, you know, I, yeah. I think that that's such a mistake that you make. And I just feel like I... I put myself in the lane of I'm an opera singer or I'm going to be a classical singer, opera singer. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably do that. And when you are younger, it's sometimes difficult to, th- to, to, you know, to have the courage to go and say, oh, I'm an opera singer, but I would like to learn about this. Or, you know, I, w- I would like to play with you guys or I would like to, to act. I think it's a really good point, though, as young people starting studying, try out as many things as you can and, and meet as many people as you can. Uh, and I think the arts is probably going to evolve to become, you know, we we work more and more in partnerships, mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting to have more than one skill and not just be absolutely in your Multi- box. Multidisciplined, and I think that again, it's it's something that when you're honing the skill of being able to sing, because we opera singers are vocal athletes, you know, and that takes that takes ninety percent of your attention, and as it should at the earliest stages. But when you start to understand that you have a really good facility or a really good um, foundation of your voice, that's when you just start dipping your toe into looking into other art forms. The amount of productions that I've had to dance on when I think, oh, I could have gone to dance classes, yeah. or the amount of productions that I've had to really do some really dramatic acting and feeling quite unsure of myself or unsure of what that feels like or what that looks like when that facility was there, when that opportunity was there for me to learn that. Go and see stuff. Go and see everything. And when you're a student, certainly when I was at the conservatory at the time, it was free. It was free to yep. go and see these incredible shows. And I I really didn't take that opportunity. And that's on my head and I really wish if I could go back and do it all again I would have collaborated more I would have reached out more I would have gone to see more and be involved in more that was right in front of my face the whole time yeah so you you finished at at the conservatoire and how do you go from there and you are like okay so what what do I do now how do I get to be on stage how do I get to sing for a living um well again I was really fortunate and um the fact that I studied in Scotland as a Scottish singer. I was at that um, at college for seven years as well, which felt like an, an exceptionally long time. And I felt at the end of it that I should have had a degree in architecture or a, a medical <laughs> a degree doctor. or something like that. <laughs> and at the time that I was at the, RC, the RCS, um, Scottish Opera were doing their young artist 
um, initiative. And it was only in its second year, so it was still in its infancy. Oh, wow. And we were automatically offered auditions to apply to the to the Young Artist Programme, which, I mean, you could, not, you could not do that. And I got the role as uh, one of the emerging artists for the second year. So that really helped me just find my footing straight out of the bubble of college. And maybe I moved into a, a, another bubble, but it was a completely different bubble. Yeah, it, was, it, was the, it was the operatic world. When I was a young artist, I was given so many opportunities, which was fa- fabulous. I was doing a lot of smaller roles, scenes. I was responsible for learning all that. And although I had coaching, the amount of work that I had to do in my own time really kind of shocked me Yeah, <laughs> at the time. Yeah, because people see a performance, you're a, an artist on stage, a singer, but they don't realise all the work that goes behind it. It's huge. And, and not only for the singer, for the orchestra, for, for the crew, for mm-hmm. everyone. It's, yeah. it, it's just a massive amount of, of work. And planning. And I, I don't think that I realised until I actually went into the profession the months and months previous to the moment that you step into the room that have gone into planning this. And if you don't come into the room ready at the same level of preparation that everyone else has around about you, then you're the weakest link in the chain. So whenever I go into the room, whenever I'm working, preparation. And I've sometimes faltered on that. I've sometimes not been as well prepared as I think I am. Um, just with regards to like memory work, just knowing or if you're singing in a different language, the basics of knowing exactly what every word you sing is and also knowing what every single person on stage with you is singing at the time. So that was something that really my time at Scottish Opera really exposed me to was just being a good colleague, being a good singer. Again, this is constantly cyclical. The world of music and, and this sort of nature of performing arts is cyclical. So I left college at a really in a really high position, you know, and I got really good results at the end of my term stuff and I was like I am ready to take on I am ready to do this um, I had just sung Susanna in the Marriage of Figaro which was like one of my dream roles at college that was like the final thing that I did and then I went into Scottish Opera and they were doing the Marriage of Figaro and I went from singing Susanna to singing in the chorus and singing the first uh, yeah. bridesmaid so I went to the bottom of the female role ladder and I was understudying Barbarina I remember sitting there thinking I could. I wish I was. I wish I was doing. I wish I was doing Susanna. I know it. I know it. And I was desperate the whole way through. But of course, I wasn't ready for it because yeah. the stages of vocal stamina and ability had shifted massively from going from a college production to then going to a, a production with Scottish Opera with the actual orchestra there. I did a lot of uh, smaller roles and understudying, huge amount of understudying, which is just part and parcel of being a young singer. You, you spoke a little bit about the role of Susanna, but would you say that's your favourite role in the opera repertoire or do you have an opera or a specific role that you, you absolutely love? Well, this is, this is always the question that gets asked, isn't it? I yeah. mean, I, I, love, I love singing Mozart. To me, Mozart is like chicken soup to the voice. There is just so much in a Mozartian role. There's uh, you have to have the most perfect, beautiful line. You have to have dramatic intent. You have to know your character, um, and especially for the soprano roles, they are the the sort of lighter lyric ones which I sing, which would be like Susanna, Despina, Zerlina. They have such heart, and they're they're actually really realistic, real life women.
I wanted to speak to you, uh, Marie-Claire, about your work at Octoire North as well. I know you joined the company about five years ago. You're right. I can't actually believe it's been five years. I feel like I've just been here a heartbeat, really. But yes, I joined the company uh, five years ago when I joined the Extra Choristers for the production of André Chénier. At the same time, they did a big recruitment drive within the chorus. I wasn't given a full-time chorus position, but I was given a role as a maternity cover within the chorus, within the soprano section. So I then basically joined the chorus from there. The great thing about being the Uh, within the chorus of Opera North is that you get to sing roles and you get to do uh, understudies and they audition everyone and it's a very fair process. Um, So I understudied a lot of roles within the chorus. A couple of years ago, is it a couple of years ago already, you decided to come and do some work with the education department? Yeah, so... How how did that come about? (laughs) Have you always been interested in education as well? Well, about two years ago, you're right, it was about two years ago, I was approached to sing the role of Alice in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which was being used as a big sing project. So our big sing projects are when we work with primary schools and we take little excerpts of opera or little themed um, musical extravaganzas to these schools I think was the first sort of staged opera that we had done so I was really thrilled to be part of that and it's a score by Will Todd who's a fantastic guy, great composer and this opera in particular was perfect for the children and the kids that we were working with. Education has always been part of my life as an artist. I taught singing throughout my time as a student just to sort of keep the wheels from the door but also I I learned a skill um, by becoming a music teacher, by becoming a singing teacher in particular about what I was doing wrong, the advice that I was giving my students. I was like "Mm, I should maybe take a bit of that on for myself so yeah education has always been a really important part of what I do then a job became available within the department and I applied for it and now I'm here (laughs) what kind of projects have you been working on like you you've mentioned Alice but I, I think you do a lot of different things yeah I mean my role my my job title which I think is the best job title I will ever have in my life is I'm a vocal animateur (laughs) <laughs> which which means that I animate voices. You know, it sounds a bit a bit fancy, but it's it's absolutely accurate. I animate voices. So if you feel like you don't know how to sing or if you're a bit nervous or you have a bit of trepidation around, around singing, then my role is to help you understand what that is and what that sounds like and what that looks like for you. So, yeah, you're right, Marie. I'd, <laughs> I have my fingers on a lot of pies in the education department. So I work with the youth ensembles. I also work within our adult learning programs as well. I'm currently working on a project called Step Into Singing, which is using singing as a sort of holistic therapy or a a tool for people living with chronic pain. So I love being part of that. I've been creating sort of mindfulness vocal exercises to help people manage their pain. I also um, have helped collaborate and create some online content that's going to be coming out later on in the year with, uh, with Carnival of the Animals being the heart of the project so keep an eye out for for what's coming there as well as a whole host of other things it sounds like you're so busy (laughs) how do you manage to to keep singing and and to do all of these things and do you feel do you feel the work you're doing with education complements the work you're doing as a singer as well massively massively i think within our department we have so much performance opportunity 
um, for singers and for uh, non-professionals and for different community groups, for children, etc. And my role within the department has really allowed me to continue to educate and work with other people whilst performing myself. Why do you think it's so important for a not-for-a company like Opera North to have an education department? I think that music and singing in particular is like a universal language and as an opera company it's our duty to really share that message. Opera isn't necessarily about people in wigs on stage singing at the top of their lungs, singing over an orchestra, all that sort of stuff, but that singing is a language and that singing is a common art form that we can all experience together. And I think that the work that we do within the education department is so vital because there are so many people out there, especially in the past year, who have felt a bit lost, who have felt a bit marginalised, who have needed some comfort, needed a, a space to to be entertained, to, to experience something. And we as an organisation, have been able to deliver that to people. With whatever projects we are running, we're building communities and we're doing that through music. And I think that that's why the work that we do is so valuable because we need to be creating these common bonds with people to bring people together, regardless of your educational background, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your age. Every, everyone can use music as a common language and I think that we have to continue to do this work because it's so valuable and so, so important. Is that still going? I think we are back on. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, it was just flashed. Something was flashing. Yeah, that's fine. (sighs) Question I wanted to ask you is if you had one advice to give your teenage self... What would it be? One piece of advice One to give me. One piece my... of advice. <laughs> really having to think about it. I would say just always believe that you have value. Believe that what you do as an artist and what you say as a person has value. I think in the musical world, there's so many of us trying to do this that you begin to feel like just a number within an audition rota, but everything that you do adds value. Not always to everyone, but to someone out there. And I think that that's an important thing to remember. For for young people who are a bit more advanced in, in their training and, and have been singing for a while, and, and they are slowly considering maybe trying out opera or embarking on a career, what advice would you have? Um, so if you think, I am just going to be an opera singer, all I'm going to have to do is stand and sing my arias and have roses thrown at me, I hate to tell you, but you're you're grossly mistaken. So from an early age, as much as you can, within your own practice, focusing on your foundations of your voice and your artistry, be open to other art forms. You have to be able to collaborate with other people. And collaboration for me means understanding respecting and supporting your other artistic colleagues because they are the people that will lift you up through your career. I didn't ask you earlier about maybe some audition stories. Is there anything you should or shouldn't do when you go for an opera audition? It's a difficult one because the reality is that you are only going to get one out of every ten auditions that you go for. Um, 
And as far as stories go, I think my my most and this wasn't a success story, but I felt like really proud of myself. I auditioned for an opera studio in New York, and I felt really proud of myself that I had like got an audition in the first place. And I stepped up onto the the stage to sing my aria in that instance I had three audition arias ready to go I would pick one and the panel would pick another so I came out and I sang Torna Mia Vagajar from Alcina and the panel were sat at the very opposite end of the theatre and I was so despondent because no one looked up and no one welcomed me and the pianist just started playing and I just had to sing my aria and I sang as best as I could and I feel like I, I I feel like I did the best that I could. And at the end of it I was expectantly waiting for them to say, Okay, we'd like to hear the whatever. And they just looked up and went, Thank you. And then I walked off the oh. stage and i I was I felt so terrible afterwards that it's so harsh. It's so harsh. So harsh. So harsh. And I felt really terrible afterwards that, you know, I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't valued and it wasn't the right thing for me at that time. So it took me it took me a couple of hours and I dusted myself off and I was like, oh, do you know what? I've come all the way here and the fact that I got here in the first place is a win. Mm-hmm. So I think every audition that you have, there will be a story attached to it. And some of them will be funny some of them will be sad some of them might make you feel not so good about yourself and some of them will end in success and take those little victories take whatever victory you can find within these auditions and within these experiences because that's what builds us as artists that's what builds us as resilient people and it's all part of the experience you've been listening to the artistic futures podcast with the talented marie claire breen Next time, I will be speaking to mezzo-soprano Crystal Williams. Crystal will be singing the role of Carmen at Opera North this autumn and is really passionate about supporting the next generation. If you have any burning question for future guests or would like to suggest people you would like to meet, please email education at opranorth.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter. Search Opera North Education. See you next time.